Just a little love note to all of our loyal free cookie listeners and to anyone who might be new to the show. This is an ad-free podcast. And we want to keep it that way. We want to make sure that we can just give you guys the awesome content, the great interviews. and Without the stuff that you have to fast forward. But in order to do that, we need your support. So if you could join us over at patreon.com forward slash free cookies and become a patron of the show, there are many tiers that you can join. You can throw us a dollar, you can do five. And it turns out we're going to start putting some content up for those of you who are hardcore free cookie supporters. We're going to make this worth your while. So if there's some of you out there who just listen to the show, and you feel like, hey, you know what? I could, I could spend two, three bucks a month. Great. If you guys need a little something as incentive, we're going to put some videos up on Patreon that are going to be exclusive to those of you who are free cookie monsters. And I mean, we're talking some good content. Like I'm going to take you inside my sneaker closet, like that kind of content, you know? And I will contribute recipes and perhaps every now and then our dog will give you a soliloquy. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash free cookies. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Catherine Budick. And I'm Kate Vegan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today. And today we have Dr. B on the show, Will Bolsovitz. And we're going to talk some sexy fiber. Was that a pregnant fiber fueled? I need to fart pause that just happened there. There was a. If you honestly want to know, was that your, your so, body inflated? Mm, I, I didn't know if you were excited about what you had to say or if you I were in had, pain. I had so many thoughts that I was putting in order, <laughs> and then that's what came out is wow. sexy fiber. And we are going to be talking to him from downtown Charleston. Yes, we were recording. From 10 West Edge, it's a new condo complex in downtown Charleston. It's very New York-esque with a nice view of all of Charleston. It was gorgeous. And you can check out photos of it on our Instagram page, which is at Free Cookies Podcast on Instagram. And it was probably appropriate that we were in a sexy corner condo to talk to Dr. B because I think he truly believes that fiber is sexy. At, At least that's what he calls it, which I don't... No, if I would say the fact that we love to talk about poop all the time, sexy per se, but hey, I mean, it's 2020, anything goes. Because there are times when we have guests who are coming onto the show and we have to do a lot of preparation to make sure that we sound- Don't talk about poop. Some Right, that it doesn't uh, turn a corner and all of a sudden we are talking about what- sparks poop or what stops poop because let's face the facts that's what everybody really wants to talk about i don't know if our relationship is atypical in the fact that almost every day at some point we've discussed what food we ate that helped us poop or what food has hindered our pooping but we do not go on a dog walk without deconstructing how the food has impacted our body That's true. And I would like to bring this up because I already know that I have a lot of solidarity with pooping in bookstores. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're just going to have to go through this season, aren't you? Um, But I do wonder if other people have solidarity with me. I think I'm also an emotional pooper. And I am also um, an emotional uh, constipator as well. Because... (laughs) Obviously, you know, when you travel, a lot of people can't poop for a while because you've been on airplanes and it's all the different food and whatnot. But I also notice that I don't poop if I am sad and or stressed because my body clenches and everything gets tight. Or if I know I have to be in front of people and I'm like, my body's like, God damn it, you can't poop. You just have to get it together and stay tight and right. 
and then I won't poop. And of course, like I'm miserable on the inside, but very shiny on the outside. And these are, these are things that you will yell to me from the toilet. <laughs> Most of the time on a, you'll be like, I think, I, th- I think I'm not pooping right. Wait a second. I don't talk about the poop as it's happening. Don't come on. No, Let's- when it's not happening, when it's not happening, you'll call out. Okay. About why it's not happening. That's sometimes true. Yeah. But I also think, to be fair, we have a squatty potty, so it makes for a very comfortable lounging on the throne experience. <laughs> um, I. Oh, pro tip, oh. by the way. I'm just going to throw it out there while Kate digs for her next fiber comment that she wants to make. Um, <laughs> squatty potty. How did she know? Not a sponsor for the show, but a fabulous invention. If you don't have a squatty potty, and for my yogis out there, if you know what malasana is, it's garland pose. It's like a deep, deep squat that you get into. If you pull your heels up when your booty is already on the bowl, but you pull your heels up and you put your heels <laughs> on the actual rim of the, the thing that moves up and down, you know, not the lid, but the like seat part, yep, that's yep. officially going into malasana and that's preparing your sphincter muscles for the proper elimination form that they need to be in. So if you're having trouble pooping and you don't have a squatty potty, you can pull your heels up onto the bowl. You're welcome. Do you know how, well, two things. One is that I don't think I've ever verbalized this before, but I read a couple years ago that Steph Curry has a squatty potty. And so every single time... I'm in the morning you when think I think of Steph Curry. Yeah, I do. I think, oh my God, Steph Curry has these in every bathroom in his house. And I so think you of think that. he's hitting threes because he's it's got kinda, a super sexy, clear colon. Well, I, I don't know. It's less to me that it, that impacts his outside shooting performance and more that it's almost like when you find out like in the nineties, when you found out like the fab five were wearing black socks and then you were like, oh my God, I'm going to start wearing black socks when I hoop. And this is like, oh my God, Steph Curry has a squatty potty. Like that will impact my own. Do you think every time he hits a a three and he does his little, like hits his chest and then points to God that he's actually pointing to the creators of the squatty potty. This is what exactly what he's doing. Yes. That is the kind of reverence that he has for squatty potty. It is God-like. Hey, that's actually kind of... It's life-changing. It yeah. is. Um, but this is not about squatty potties. We're, we're just this talking is, about poop because we didn't feel like we covered it enough with Dr. B. Well, and, and that's what... I actually love this conversation because there's very... Well, there's a lot about humanity that we don't understand, but what has always per- perplexed me is our inability to come up with any kind of scientific research that explains what we should be eating or shouldn't be eating. It just seems like it's like a fashion trend. It's like every 30 years we go back to what we, to bell bottoms essentially. So, which I know you love so much. And that's what it seems like that, that happens with uh, what foods we should be eating. So do you think fiber is like the denim of gastrointestinal health like like it'll never go out of style yeah like denim will never go out of style but it it did in the 90s because we weren't trying to eat fiber we were just trying to eat low fat but do you think fiber will now become the denim i I think maybe after do you think after people read his book fiber fiber fueled and listen to this podcast um they will turn into kate fagan which uh, help me dear listeners sweet baby cheeses I cannot make anything without Kate asking me how much fiber it is. I cannot hold a cherry tomato without Kate wondering how much fiber is in that singular cherry tomato. I Thanks, have, Dr. B. I, Thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, th- that is true because I do become obsessive. But I become obsessive about good things, right? I mean, hey, good, at least quote, we unquote. moved on from added sugar. It, it, it is true. a step in the right direction. And I used to not... 
eat too much fruit because I thought all sugars were equal for a little while. But Dr. B has blasted that out of the toilet water. (laughs) (laughs) Before we bring on Dr. B from the scenic downtown Charleston location, the last thing I want to say about this poop discussion is that I was of the belief before we got in a relationship that you you were either the kind of person who talked about poop a lot or the kind of person who didn't talk about poop a lot. Mm. But you're the first relationship I've been in where <laughs> poop is so openly discussed. <laughs> you're welcome. And, and so I think that there's a lot of, like if you're a listener and you're like, I'm not a talk about poop person, you can change. Or if you're looking, if you're wondering if you're going to have a long lasting relationship, ask yourself, do you openly talk with your partner about poop? Because if you do... Long haul. Yeah, you think so? Oh, yeah. You think we're in it for the long haul? We're going to have like a 50th wedding anniversary. Filled with fiber-rich foods. <laughs> Be like, we'll get at least 40 of each different kind. Because, uh, you know, one thing Dr. B will talk about is the variety is important as well. Even if you're eating a ton of fiber-rich something, if it's the only fiber-rich something that you're eating, that's not going to give the, the, the biodiversity in your gut health, you know? Dear listeners, I would also like to point out that Kate likes to keep our first segment pretty snug and tight, especially if we've had a longer interview. Mm. This is definitely the first first segment we've done in a while where Kate, you want to keep going. You're like, you are in it. You were in I, it to I talk do, about fiber. I'm upset that I haven't mentioned the broccoli sprouts yet. Okay, why don't you, you just get that out? No, because just we got to bring on Dr. B. Just talk about I'm, the broccoli sprouts. Yeah, what I'm saying is it's a teaser for later. Like within the conversation with Dr. B, he mentions what will, will superfood is overused, but for broccoli sprouts, like it is spot on. Like this is a superfood, but you need to know the context around how you want to consume them and they will absolutely change your life. The way they've changed mine, which is in no way at all. All of my smoothies have broccoli broccoli sprouts in it now. I don't notice Mm. any difference except I feel really good when I dump them in the blender because they they look bad. They they look like they're going to taste terrible, which I know must be good for me. They look like actual gut flora. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. I could keep going, but I won't. Hey, you do you. Okay, let's stop Baby poo. Dr. Will Bolsowitz is a board-certified, award-winning gastroenterologist. He's a graduate of Georgetown University School of Medicine and was chief medical resident at Northwestern Memorial Hospital and chief gastroenterology fellow at the University of North Carolina Hospitals. He also earned a master's of clinical investigation from Northwestern and did an epidemiology fellowship at the UNC Gilling School of Global Public Health. He's authored more than 20 articles in the top American gastroenterology journals and has been featured in Shape, Women's Health, and Men's Health, and on HuffPost. He lives in Charleston, South Carolina, with his wife and two children. All right, all right. So we are here with Dr. B, which is pronounced Bolsewitz. Yes. Bolsewitz. It's French. Bolsewitz. That's uh, German. (laughs) I know. Don't don't ask us to do accents. Um, But we're doing this live, in person, socially distanced, of course. And this is going to be tricky because I know we are going to have endless questions for you. And we've spoken together. We did it Instagram Live. Um, and how long has it been since your book came out? That came was out May 12th. It's been May 12th. over three months. Yeah. And it's New, New York, York Times, Times bestseller. bestseller. New York Times bestseller. 50,000 copies sold. Holy oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. USA Today, Publishers Weekly. Actually, I'm going to find out tonight because I was on Rich Roll last week. Nice. And um, yeah. so I'm going to find out tonight. I sold a lot of copies this past week, so I might be back on the list. We'll find out. Wow, that's was amazing. It, I mean, going in 
to May when the book dropped, what were, were your expectations? Like, who knows? Because there's so many books that are in that field. Like, what were your expectations? Um, honestly, I put, I put my heart and soul into this book. You know what I mean? So I believe in the book and I'm passionate about it and I wanted to deliver this book. And the problem was that basically like everyone can remember, you know, late March, early April what and happened? it's like what the world's about? collapsed right <laughs> yeah. yeah and um, well if you don't check the news it's really healthy to not check the news that's right that's true so um, yeah so it felt like the world's collapsed all, all these things that I had spent like literally months lining up disappeared yeah, yeah. And so, did you have a monstrous book tour plans like all this? Book tour plans, ritual podcasts, yeah. balance blonde, some other ones out in LA. I got a lot of stuff basically planned. I had events planned. They all collapsed. Yeah. So and so, I, I like spent like two weeks kind of feeling down on myself and moping around, you know. And um, and then I was just like, you know what? Like I've worked, I worked literally two years on this book mm-hmm. and I woke, I woke up at five in the morning. I went to bed late. I put everything into this. So I was like, I'm going to figure something out. So I basically just doubled and tripled down. I was like, where are people going to be? They're going to be on the internet. Right. So do a bazillion podcasts. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah. And <laughs> a little later. We know you've been cool. waiting for this one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do this one this, in August. That'll really help it. Well, this will be, this is, this will be sustaining it. And right. this, will be, yeah. this will be like a, we'll be able to spotlight this one a lot more, but, and, um, and then like, you know, basically the week of the launch, I was like, you know, just do an online book tour. Mm-hmm. So like connect with as many people, connect with you. I connected with all kinds of different people. We would do 15 to 30 minute Instagram lives. Yeah, you were on it. I was doing like, I was just, you know, hopped up on adrenaline and going from 12 noon until 10 o'clock at night doing interviews all week. And the best part was like, I would see people, like someone would like pop into one of the interviews and they'd be like, how much is this guy paying these people? He is everywhere. And I'm like, I haven't spent a dollar. People love me. Just sweat equity. (laughs) Worn in. Poured in. And I think it also goes to say that obviously when it comes to health and gut health in particular, people are always so fascinated. I mean, I, I don't... Like even the Instagram live we did, which numbers are not what they normally are because everyone's doing Instagram live all the time since COVID has hit. And I was very impressed with... Um, how many people showed up, how many questions there were. Yeah, like the I only retention. had you for, I don't remember, how, it was short. We didn't talk yeah, long yeah. enough. Yeah. But um, I guess the question is, in your world, because there's so many different methodologies when it comes to health hmm. and so many different styles and approaches and doctors and eat this, don't eat that. So how does your approach Stand, why have you chosen your approach and how do you think it stands out compared to everyone else's? Well, you know, so the issue is I'm a gastroenterologist. Um, and so I view things through the lens of being a gastroenterologist. My background is in clinical research. Okay. So I, I spent, um, you know, basically when I was in Chicago, I was doing night classes. Like I was a resident during the day and then I would go and do night classes at Northwestern to get a master's. I know it's crazy. I don't know what I'm thinking. Do you believe in caffeine? (laughs) (laughs) Big time, big time, big time. I will admit my bias towards coffee. (laughs) Any study that says coffee is good. I'm automatically on board. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I was like working to get this master's of clinical research at night. And then I went to the university of North Carolina and they have a, they have, I mean, really top school of public health, basically UNC Hopkins and Harvard are the top three every year. In, in public health. And I did an epidemiology fellowship. So I did all this research stuff, but I loved taking care of patients too mm-hmm. much to like become a, a researcher where you're just like writing papers all day. 
So, but what's funny is my worlds have come back together. The research background, my passion for patient care and taking care of people, it all sort of came together. And a lot of this was motivated by my own personal journey where I was, when I was in Chicago 10 years ago, I was 50 pounds overweight, which was hard for me to swallow because I was a three-sport athlete in high school. Like I think of myself as an athlete. So I was 50 pounds overweight, tons of anxiety, fatigue, low, like shockingly low self-esteem for someone who was the chief resident in one of the top programs. And I was in a place where, I mean, basically I was in a bad place and something had to change. And for me, I tried to work my way out of it. So I'm a type A. I was like, I'm just going to exercise. And I'll exercise to the point that it'll offset whatever I do with my diet. It didn't work. Right. You know, I could build muscle. I could create endurance. I could swim 100 laps in the pool. I couldn't lose the weight. I couldn't get rid of the anxiety, the high blood pressure issues. I couldn't restore my health. And so, and that was like roughly, you know, we're talking like 10, 2010, 2012 in that area, transitioning from Chicago to Chapel Hill. And so, and then what happened was, it's kind of funny, like you go back to this period of time in my life and you ask me, Dr. B, do you think that you would ever write a book, period, regardless of how the book has performed? Do you ever think that you would write a book about fiber? Mm. I'd be like, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? My favorite meal was a steak, right? <laughs> right? And, but I met my wife and we were just dating. Um, we were just going to know each other and we would go out to dinner and I'd never been around someone like this before. I never, I knew no one that was vegetarian or vegan. Someone like this. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> who is this person? This is so weird. And we would go out and she would get like just plants. And, but what I noticed was that she had, com she had complete control over her health, complete control over her weight. She was satisfied by her food. She was cleaning the plate. She was not restricting. She was not counting calories or macros or anything crazy like that. And it was working. Hmm. And it opened up my mind, like, maybe it's time to try a dietary change. And it started with this little thing where instead of going to Hardee's, like in North Carolina, it's Hardee's. Oh, yeah. Right? The $5 grab bag. I grew up with Hardee's. I'm you know a Kansas Hardee's. girl. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So for five, it's amazing how you can get like 2,500 calories for five bucks. <laughs> Yay. So it's, it's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, instead of going there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to make a smoothie. And... So simple, like bananas, greens, berries, boom, yeah. done. And, um, and I would make like a big blender full, it'd be like 36 ounces. And I felt great. I felt energized. Um, I did not have the post-meal hangover. I went to the gym an hour later and smashed a workout. And that opened it up for me. I was like, I have something now. I'm like, I got a rope that I'm following. Mm -hmm. And so I started following that rope and um, started to open up research studies and was shocked by the thousands of studies that exist that, sh that show a path towards health through a plant-based diet. And so the clinical side of me was satisfied because I need that. I I'm, that. I'm a nerd. I can't change that. You know what I mean? Totally. So I need to see that this research is there. It can't just be my own experience. The research was there. The weight was melting off my body. My energy was coming back. My self-esteem was coming back. I started feeling young again. And I, like, I sincerely feel, I know this is really weird to say this, but I sincerely feel like I reversed aging. 
If you look at pictures of me when I was like 30 or 32 years old and you compare it to me, I'm 40 now. We are going to have behind the scenes for our patrons. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to have the before that. and after photos of Dr. <laughs> Dr. B. Yeah. So, and yeah. I, I seriously, I seriously do. And it's like, and the crazy thing is I was, when I was in Chapel Hill, I was smashing workouts six days a week, an hour a day, cardio and lifting weights. Yeah. Could not lose the weight. Now here I am. I eat well. I go to bed at a reasonable time and I work out two times a week, 30 minutes each, and I accomplish all my fitness goals. Which leads to the question that I'm sure a lot of non-vegan, non-vegetarian listeners are asking, where do you get the energy if you're not getting animal protein? Yeah, I mean... And, and we're vegetarian, by the way, but... But there, like, there is... But I know those people... They've had to... The, we have produced Netflix, not Catherine and I, but like the society, Netflix documentaries trying to convince men that they can still lift weights and achieve their fitness goals without eating animal protein. Because the, the, the myth that being vegetarian and not eating animal protein could actually sustain your energy levels has permeated our society and our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, one, do you know why that is? I'm assuming that was some sort of like lobbyist in DC for, you know, whatever. I was going to say conspiracy the chicken theory, industry. I don't yeah. know. What is it? How did it get so deep into our culture? Um, you remember when we were kids, remember Got Milk? Yeah. Got Milk was government subsidized. Okay. That right. makes sense. Got eggs. Right. Um, well, no, it's not got eggs. Oh, it's no, no, the no, incredible the pork, edible pork, egg. Pork, the other meats. The that other was one. That, that was one. That was one. And then there's one more. Beef. It's what's what for, for dinner. Yes. Hey. Oh my gosh. Hey. So there you go. So, and these are, these are government subsidized. Now what, what role should the government have in telling us what to eat? Zero. Right. Zero. They don't seem very good at it. And they're subsidizing. Now what, what food should we be subsidizing for the people who can't, like I can afford to go buy organic produce, right? Yeah. I'm blessed right. in that regard. There's a lot of people who can't. Yeah. Right. How do we get healthy food on the plate, on the table for the family who can't afford it? Yeah. We need to be subsidizing it, but we choose, our government chooses not to. Instead, we subsidize stuff like genetically modified soy, genetically modified mm -hmm. corn that we're spraying with, you know, glyphosate and then we're feeding to the cow. And a fast food meal for 99 cents or like a dollar 99, you know, something we're obviously. But that's not even subsidized. Not even subsidized. But, it, but, but you're still, right. It comes like, down the chain. It, it continues of, on. It, it comes down yes. the chain. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It comes down the chain. And then, you, and so you're making, you're making uh, unhealthy food less expensive than it's supposed to be. And you're creating a scenario where the person who lacks the education to understand the ideas of short term, like short term, you may feel great, but long term, you're destroying your body. Right. Yeah. And they don't have the education to understand that. And their kid is jumping with joy because they get their happy meal. It's yeah. a problem, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? Well, qu quickly, because this was interesting to me in a different podcast I listened to, we're talking about the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. And it was like, it's a pretty distinct definition in that a bad habit is something that feels good when you're doing it, but mm -hmm. is bad for you in the long run. And a good habit is usually something that doesn't feel good when you're doing it, but is good for you in the long run. And it seems like all of our a lot of the, the food habits that we have perpetuated in our society fall into the bad habit category because it's easier to give someone a bad habit and sell it to them yeah, totally. than and, the inverse. Well, and we, have, and we have a food system that preys on our vulnerabilities as human beings. So you, know, you think about, I mean, like I like to think about this kind of stuff. So you think about human evolution, right? And we, we lived in famine. Yeah. There was no supermarket for 99.9% .9 of human history, right? You, you could starve yourself to death. You, you needed um, basically calories just to live long enough to have children. 
If you're lucky to even get calories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were as, you know, we were as exposed as any other animal to this concept of survival of the fittest. And the entire point was you got to live long enough to have kids. Because if you live long enough to have kids, then you pass on your, your code to someone else, right? So we basically evolved to have an appetite for high fat, mm. for salt, for sweets, because those are energy sources, right. right? And so we evolved to have that because that supports us living long enough to get to the point that we can have children. But the, the problem is now here we are and we have supermarkets and we have an unlimited food supply and we're an affluent country. People are not like, you know, compared to other countries that are really, truly poor, the poor in our country sure. are not truly poor. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've like, I've complete sympathy for, for poverty, but just, you know, it's totally different. Right. right? It's relative. They have access to food. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so that's, that's part of the issue is that we have a food system that's preying off of that. And look, that was my own issue was that I loved the way I felt for like literally five seconds, you know, when I would eat that Hardee's, I felt great for like a couple minutes. Yeah, when it hits your taste buds yeah. and everything lights up. Yeah, it's like zing, yeah. right? My eyes bulge out of my head. And then, but then like 30 minutes later, I'm on the couch making moaning noises, totally. right? Yeah, So we know it well. And sweatpants, <laughs> not that yeah. there's anything wrong with sweatpants. They're a savior during this pandemic. But um, oh, so you have this, the quote on the back of, the, one of the sentences on the back of the book says, like, cutting-edge science on fiber is incredibly exciting. Can you, I don't know if you're, like, can a you performer here, but, like, can you pitch us, like, a Netflix film on this incredibly cutting-edge science on fiber? You guys got contacts on Netflix? A, Let's talk about it. Give yeah. us the trailer. Give us the trailer where it's, like, it's cutting-edge science on fiber. And all we ever do is watch Netflix yeah. anymore, so there's <laughs> nice. that. <laughs> it's more than exciting. I think it's sexy, honestly. Okay. I'll go, go for it. I'll Let's take go. it that far. Yeah. I'll take it that far. Because the, because the issue is this, is that we, we spend so much time in nutrition, like talking about this stuff that frankly really doesn't matter. Like we focus so much on, should I have lectins? Should yeah. I have night, nightshades and phytates and all these other things? And we're fixating on these micronutrients that are frankly pretty much inconsequential in the big picture of Wait, things. so does that mean that I, I can keep eating my tomatoes and eggplants and not panic? Yes. So Tom Brady okay. could probably eat so a tomato much. and still be a good quarterback? Like, Tom Brady will still be incredibly good looking tomato. at a good quarterback okay. if he eats a tomato. Right, I don't have to it. eat my right. eggplant like an artichoke. <laughs> right. Yeah. And well, and so, but, but, but the flip side is this, is that we have adopted a diet in the United States that is probably the most fiber devoid diet in the history of the planet where the average person in the U.S. is getting 15 to 17 grams of fiber per day. And the recommended amount, the recommended amount for women is a minimum 25 grams. Like that's not optimal, that's minimum 25 grams of fiber per day. For men, it's 38 grams. And it's, I mean, frankly, guys, it's embarrassing when we do studies in the United States, we do clinical research studies. And the way that we'll set up the study is we want to know, okay, what it, how did the high fiber consumers compare to the low fiber consumers, mm-hmm. right? So it's not hard to find low fiber consumers in the United States. When they do these studies, almost everyone is a low fiber consumer. The problem is we have no high fiber consumers. When we do these studies and you look at them and it says, oh, high fiber, you look and you see the average amount of fiber in the high fiber group was 22 grams. Mm. Even they are less than the recommended amount on a daily basis. And the key is that getting into why fiber is sexy. Okay. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. <laughs> it's not just a deficiency. It's not just our most profound and important deficiency. It's the effect that it has on the body, which is that fiber is the preferred food of our gut microbes. Mm-hmm. This is what they want. They're literally starving for this. 
And when we feed them, when we give them the fiber that they need, it passes through our intestine. Like this is not the fiber that we grew up thinking about with our grandma. Fiber one. I was going to say, yeah, I love that you call fiber sexy because I think part of the problem, why I feel like people don't get enough fiber is I think of Metamucil and I think of... Um, That's one cereal. Grape nuts. That looks like grape nuts. Yeah, grape yeah. nuts, right? Yeah. Grape nuts. High grape nuts. nuts. I thought yeah. that was delicious, by the way. But anyway. Um, yeah. But it looked like, like it's, rabbit turds, to be fair. But it, it tasted really good when you poured sugar all over it's, it. Okay. Oh, okay. it comes back to the sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're busted. Sugar. You're yeah, busted. Okay. You just incriminated yourself. At the time, it was equal, which, you know, my parents thought was a healthy thing. So equal packets. Okay. Which so, was really yeah, good for we, the we all thought that was healthy at the time. Um, so, so the issue is that, yeah, when you think of a grandma and she's got this orange drink and she does it so she can poop, so fiber is like anything but sexy at that point. Grandma poop. But the, the reality is Wait, that- Wait, but is that actually fiber? By the way, it is fiber. It Does is. it help our microbiome the way you you think we need it? Okay, so okay. there are, the, in fact, there's different types of fiber. That's one of the key lessons: is that there's many different types of fiber, and so the the fiber in Metamucil, the grit, right? I mean, right. you can't get rid of the grit. You could boil Metamucil; there still be grit. <laughs> That's insoluble fiber. That insoluble fiber is not the food for these microbes. Right. Instead, there's this other type of fiber called soluble fiber, which is what we refer to as prebiotic. Prebiotic means that it's the food for these microbes. It passes through the small intestine unchanged, enters into the colon, and they devour it. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, exactly. They're like, nom, <laughs> nom, nom. And so, and they devour it. And then when they do that, they grow stronger. Mm. They multiply. That's they where grow. it's the Netflix trailer. Yeah, exactly. Watch them grow stronger. They, okay. I'm, you, you're better at this. I'm it happens talking. really quick. <laughs> it happens really quick. And and then what they do is they turn around and they reward us with what I think is the with biggest. Poop? What's that? With poop? <laughs> with well, poop. They do. With they do. They do reward <laughs> us with poop. That's one thing. But they also they also turn around. And they reward us with these things called short chain fatty acids, mm. which are total game changers. Is in there terms a of slang word for that, or a pet name, or? You can call them postbiotics if you want to. Postbiotics. Yeah. Short change fatty acids. Short chain. Short chain. Short chain. Yeah. Short, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Could right. be like a good rapper name, like short <laughs> yeah, chain, yeah, yeah. you know? Little panty wads. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and these short chain fatty acids, there's three of them, butyrate, acetate, and propionate. So let me give you a couple things that they do. Okay. okay. Right there in the gut. They, they suppress the unhealthy bacteria like E. coli, Salmonella, Shigella. We've all heard of these nasty ones. Suppress those. Sure. Grow the good guys. Repair leaky gut. Okay. So they actually fix the lining of the colon. Okay. They directly impair colon cancer. We have studies that show that. Colon cancer is the number two cause of cancer death in America. We'll have 150,000 people this year diagnosed with colon cancer. It actually goes to our immune system. Our immune system is right there in the gut. 70% of our immune system lives in the gut. And these short-chain fatty acids are the way that these microbes communicate mm -hmm. with the immune system. You want a healthy immune system? You have, to have, you have to have fiber in your diet, and the fiber will actually enhance your immune system. Your metabolism, it helps to activate your satiety hormones. So like when you eat a salad, you eat literally hundreds of calories less and you still feel full because the fiber in the salad is mm -hmm. activating your satiety hormones so you don't overeat. Hmm. So it helps with your metabolism. It reverses type two diabetes, meaning that it makes more insulin sensitivity. It lowers our cholesterol. Then you can go like kind of organ by organ because it spreads throughout the body. Basically it gets into the bloodstream and it starts to spread, it'll go to the heart, and we think that it reverses coronary artery disease. Wow. We have studies where people actually reverse coronary artery disease with diet alone. It's quite fascinating. It actually goes to the brain. It, it actually repairs the blood-brain barrier. So people who walk around and say, I, I feel like I have like, um, brain fog. Yeah, sure. Right? So do doctors dismiss that. Doctors go, that's not real. 
That's funny. I've heard a lot of people talking about brain fog lately. Brain fog is real. Yeah. You know what brain fog is? Brain fog is a leaky brain. Leaky brain. Leaky brain. So just, just like, like you have leaky gut. gut. Yeah, exactly. So just like you have leaky gut, it, like literally, if you were to go, I mean, look, I'm a nerd. I could take you down into the what's happening on a microscopic level. It's uh-huh. the same thing in the brain. But I need soluble fiber to fire up my short chain fatty acids wrappers who are going to then heal my gut. They're going to take it on a tour of the body and they're going to stop. A tour de force. It's a tour de force and it's all healing and it's all anti-inflammatory. It prevents, I mean, so let me just close it out and tell you that, like, can you imagine what a drug company would pay for a drug that would prevent Alzheimer's disease? They'd pay like a bazillion dollars and short chain fatty acids. We have studies that show that you can actually prevent Alzheimer's disease short-chain fatty acids. So the point is, healing throughout the entire body, all you got to do is eat plants. Plants have fiber. They'll feed your microbes, and you'll get all of these benefits, but we're not doing it. Favorite plants for fiber? Um, all right, so I... For I, someone, for, for people who are listening who, like, want to play push-pause and, like, run to the grocery store right now and, because and they get, want all these benefits. They want their short-chain fatty acids to go on tour. Do they just need to start yeah. with a salad per day? Do you think, yeah. like... Give us, give us just, like, your greatest right, you ready? tips. Here's the, 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 starting lineup, yeah. yeah. Okay, well... Starting so want, at guard. I want to give you the starting... <laughs> oh, is man. it avocado? This no. is so good. This is so good. <laughs> all right, I want to give you the starting lineup, but before we go there, let me tell you, there's one rule. There's one rule. So there's one simple golden rule that is the most important thing for gut health. Okay. Okay, and it all boils down to this. The most important thing for a healthy gut is the diversity of plants in your diet. Diversity. Diversity Diversity of plants. So biodiversity is the word. Biodiversity is the word that you would use if you were a biologist talking about the Amazon rainforest or the Great Barrier Reef. Biodiversity is healthy ecosystem. Our gut is an ecosystem. And biodiversity is important to our gut. And to get biodiversity, you have to eat a wide variety of plants because the diversity of plants in your diet will correlate to the biodiversity within your gut. Okay. Does that mean, sorry to interrupt, but, um, you know, sometimes I've been told with food allergies, say you eat peanut butter every day, just for example. If you eat peanut butter every day, you can eventually develop a sensitivity to peanut butter because you've overconsumed. Does that happen with plants? Like, I love arugula. I eat a boatload of arugula, uh, amongst a diverse select characters of other veggies, of course. But do I need to be careful with my consumption of arugula, or is it okay as long as I'm like having a little baby gem from time to time and some spinach and some yeah, like, some kale? So it's true of all things in life that literally anything in life there is such a thing as too much of a good thing for okay. anything. Okay. So, for example, in the in the hospital when patients get super sick and they can't breathe on their own, we have to use the mechanical ventilator. And we administer oxygen, right? So now our environment is about 20% oxygen. We will go up 40, 60, 80, 100% oxygen. But 100% oxygen, we need it for life. We can't live without oxygen. But 100% oxygen is toxic to the body. Right. Right? And the same would be true if you literally just ate arugula all day long. Hmm. It's incredibly healthy, but if you way overdo it, Anything can become, un- literally anything can be un- unhe- become unhealthy if you way overdo it. So the point is, this is where balance comes into play. De- we want diversity of plants. For me, I will take 10, like, mildly healthy plants. All plants are healthy. I will take 10 mildly healthy plants over the one superfood that comes from the Amazon rainforest. Mm-hmm. Right? Because each one of those 10 plants has its own unique mix of fiber vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, which are like the special chemicals that plants have that 
many of the medicines that we use in healthcare are derived from plants. So they all have these unique properties and we want the mix of all of them. But to get back to your question about what plants to focus on. Mm-hmm. So starting lineup. Yeah, starting lineup. Please. The starting lineup. Okay. So I, 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 I look at plants like these are my friends. I want <laughs> as many friends. They're good for me. They want right. to support me. I want as many friends as possible, but I want to make the dream team. I want the all-star team to be at the center of it. Yeah. Right. So I want to build the foundation around the superfoods. So I created an acronym called F goals. F goals? F goals. F, F for fiber, because fiber is sexy. Yeah, 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 super sexy. All right. Hey, you're coming around. F-G-U-L-S. I got you guys. F-G-U-L-S. I got you. G-O-A-L-S. Oh, F goals. F goals. 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 F goals. These are my F goals. So F for fruit and fermented. All right. Okay. So yes, people are trashing fruit. Food. Why are we trashing we fruit? Trashing yeah. Fruit. Well, not you know me. what happens. Thank you for saying that. And especially like, why are people so uptight about tropical fruits? I know they're higher in sugar, but they're still fruits. They also contain fiber. And if you have and diabetes and you eat mangoes, you will actually reverse your diabetes. In fact, there's a guy that you guys should check out. His name is um, on Instagram. It's Mindful Diabetic Robbie. Okay. All right. And he eats 100% whole food, plant based. And you would be, you would not believe if a person has diabetes, they would be shocked by how little insulin he uses eating big bowls of fruit. It's absolutely absurd because fruit has fiber. And so now when you you juice the fruit, that's totally different. You turn into apple juice. It's not the same as eating an apple. Right. Right. Because you're extracting the fiber. Right. But fruit, fruit does not make diabetes worse. If anything, fruit actually reverses diabetes, type two diabetes. (laughs) Fruit does not cause us to gain weight. If anything, when they study it, fruit helps us to lose weight because it contains fiber and fiber activates the satiety hormones. So you stop eating, Hmm. right? So fruit and then fermented. Like I think fermented is really cool because it's so unique. And we all focus on like the probiotics, which is really cool. But actually what I dig about fermentation is that it transforms the food. So you you have new access to vitamins. Like you can get vitamin B12 through from fermentation? fermented food. Yeah. Right. You can get other B vitamins. You can get new types of fiber. You can get, I mean, so basically it's amazing what happens to the food when you go from, say, cabbage to sauerkraut. You're yeah. taking one of the 10 healthiest foods and you're making it even healthier. It's right. crazy. Sexy. Sexy. G. Crazy, sexy, cool, baby. So what's the G? <laughs> G is for greens and grains. Okay. All right. So greens, like green, if you're trying to lose weight, you can eat a whole pound of greens and that's 100 calories. Right. Think about that in terms of like those little bags of nuts that are like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> right. You can have two. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and grains. I don't know why we're trashing whole grains so much. You're singing to my heart. Thank you. I'm glad that we're on the same page on yeah. that. So whole grains, like when you study whole grains and you look at people that eat whole grains, they live longer with less heart disease and less cancer. Last time I checked, heart disease and cancer were the top two killers in the United States. So we should be constructing diets that allow us to reduce the risk of heart disease and cancer. And that's what whole grains do. A favorite grains of yours. Uh, all right. I am a huge farro fan right now. Oh, I'm really farro. into farro. Yeah. Actually, farro with arugula. Yes. Squeeze a lemon. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Super nutty and delicious. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So I'm a big farro fan right now. Okay. But there's so many. and Get all of them. Again, diversity. Don't just like go rice. Mix it up. Get the quinoa. We do love us some we rice. Do some, we got we some do lentils. We do a lot of lentils, a lot of um, quinoa. There you yeah. go. Rice, sprouted lentils. What's the O? Okay, O is for omega-3 super seeds. Okay. So what I'm talking about... Only I'm talking from about, seeds. Well, I'm t- I'm, we can extend it out a little bit. So okay. chia, flax, hemp. Mm-hmm. All right, chia, okay. flax, and hemp seeds. Like if you're making a smoothie, 
You should put all three in. Will you just say that one more time to Kate? All right, Kate, if you're making a smoothie. No, no, no. <laughs> the, what I don't want in it is the actual like omega-3 oil that we put in the smoothie. Okay. But, that, but our oil is made out of flax I'm just wondering if it's the same as actually putting in the seeds. All right. I don't want to get in the middle of all of this, but <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I do want the fiber. I do want the fiber. So you're putting in straight. Okay, but do you point if I taken? Buy- point taken. That sometimes I like <laughs> I I have the '90s snack well mentality in my head still. So if somebody just dumps oil into something, I'm yeah. always like, why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? But everyone that I respect in the nutrition world has always been like, if you make a smoothie, you should be adding like a tablespoon of good oil to it, whether it's coconut oil or if it's your three, three, five, nines, three, six, nines. The omega, the omega, the omega three super yes. Yeah. But you think that actually having the flax or the chia in the smoothie is better than the oil? I, I would rather have the, the chia, the flax. Let's in the, in the middle. This now. is just we'll me. Okay. okay. So sorry. <laughs> okay. What's the A? I'm keeping us on task. Dang man, winning. I got in trouble there. Um, a is for aromatics. So that means yeah. the flavor foods, so garlic, onions, mm. shallots, stuff like that. Great for um, protecting us from cancer, great for protecting us from heart disease. And a little trick that I talk about in my book is with the, like garlic, for example, mm-hmm. there's a trick, chop, then stop. Okay, so there's mm. this, there is this phytochemical called allicin, but in order to get allicin, you have to activate it. Allison? Allison. Like A-L-L-I-C-I-N. Not the oh, name that you would name, name your daughter. Okay. But right. I'll just, I'll call her Allison. Yeah. Okay. So you can call her Allison. So, and when you chop, when you chop the garlic, you basically are creating, you're activating the Allison. But and if you mince it, do you kill it? No, mincing it is fine. But the key is this. Don't like just throw it right into your sauce. Chop. Mm-hmm. And give it 10 minutes. Oh. Let the Allison activate and then throw it in your sauce. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or in our house, I don't know if you guys do this, in our house, like everyone gets the common cold once in a while, right? Sure. So our kids will bring it home. And when the minute that I get that little bit of tickle, it's like, boom, garlic time. Garlic, yeah. Yep. And I chop up a whole, like two, three, four cl- uh, cloves of garlic, uh-huh. chop, then stop, let the Allison activate, and then I just swallow it as pills. And Oof. it's like quite shocking. Yeah. I mean, so I will smell like garlic, we love but my wife is okay with it. We, we're, I, yeah. we're fine. We're I do that. a lot of raw garlic in our cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Chop so, then stop. Chop then stop. That's one of the secrets when it comes to garlic. Okay. All right. So yeah, A, that's aromatics. All okay. right. L is legumes. Legumes. So you talked about lentils. We could also talk obviously about beans. And I consider these very similar to whole grains. Can we talk about beans? Because that's another thing that I feel like has been villainized. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've talked to many doctors who are talk about how um, legumes in general are, which I guess is, we're going back to grains again, but right. just that it's... Uh, in, in, inflama- inflammators and in causes of inflammation. Yeah. And this inflamators. is inflammators. <laughs> the inflammators. It makes them sound cooler than they are. Sexy fiber in the inflammators. <laughs> in a robot voice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. The, the, so the, the thing is that obviously some people, when they eat beans, they get digestive distress. Right. right. Not they, all beans are created equal to, for sure. And so some people get gas, bloating, discomfort, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And they interpret that as inflammation. But there's no evidence to suggest that it's actual inflammation. What Tell it is, is it's actually sloppy digestion. Sloppy. It's sloppy digestion because we rely on our gut microbes to help us to break down and process these foods. And that's because they're super high in fiber mm-hmm. and resistant starches and, the, and these complex polysaccharides that are like sort of on the spectrum of fiber that are prebiotic. So the point being that, we, that when you eat legumes and whole grains, you are putting your gut microbes to the test more so mm. than with other foods. And 
if you have a damaged gut, like it's not the routine person who struggles with these foods. It's the person who has irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's the person who has a damaged gut. They will struggle with these foods, but that's not, it's not because they're actually injuring themselves. It's just that the gut microbes are not adapted hmm. to what you're eating. Mm-hmm. And so I think of the gut like, uh, we're going to divert away from F goals for a moment. And let me just talk about the, the gut is like a muscle. Okay. It can be trained, right? So if I haven't been to the gym, and I go to the gym on day one, and I try to lift 300 pounds. AKE, I'm, eat a pinto bean. Yeah. Right. I'm going to hurt myself. Right. Right. That's the person who hasn't been eating beans. They've been paleo, and then they go and they get the five bean chili. Right. You're going to hurt yourself, right? Mm. But if you go to the gym and you understand the concepts of exercise and exercise physiology, then what you do is you go in and you pick an appropriate amount of weight relative to what your body is capable of doing. You do that amount of weight, which does not injure you, and then next week when you come back, because of the work that you just did, you'll come back stronger and you'll be able to do more. So then technically speaking, if someone who has not, quote, been to the gym in a long time, say they just started with eating a ton of diversified greens for a while just to kind of rub things up and we've we got all the, like, the good stuff going, then if they incorporate um, legumes after they've been regularly diversifying their greens, do you think that'll make the, a more acceptable playground? Yes, it will. And the key is go low and slow. Low and slow. Low and slow, that is the tempo. It was a Beastie Boys song <laughs> back in the day. I tried to put that in my book, but they were worried about copyright. Yeah, so enough. low and slow, that is the tempo. That's what you do. You go low and slow. And so you, you just introduce, and actually going back to lentils. So what's interesting is with legumes in general, the smaller that they are, the easier they are for us to actually process and digest. Mm. So like canned lentils are actually much easier for us to do than say kidney beans or something like that. Sure, yeah. So you start with those. You start with the smaller size legumes and you do just a little bit and you work your way up. So you don't go straight five bean chili right from the get-go. Right. So, but, you know, legumes and whole grains, the story is very similar. When we study the longest lived populations on the planet, guess what they're eating? Legumes and whole grains, right? So it's hard to buy that they're so bad for us and destroying our health. Do those people have all these autoimmune diseases? No, they don't because it's not the legumes and the whole grains in the first place. What those people have is they live longer with less heart disease and less cancer because they're eating these foods. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why they need to be included in our diet. What's the S? Um, Okay, so S, don't be mad at me. Thank you for keeping me on task. But don't be mad at me because I actually kind of lost my mind on S. Uh Uh-oh. I had three. Oh, there's three S's? There's three S's. Oh, so it's F goals. So it's kind of like the LGBTQI <laughs> plus A. Okay, yeah. got it. Right. It's a very so, broad umbrella that you've created. Yeah. <laughs> um, S, I S went number with one. Shrooms. Shrooms. Technically oh. not technically not plants, but we're going to count them as plants for this exercise. Okay. So they're actually fungi. Okay. But they're so good for us, and they do actually contain fiber. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because we've been eating a lot of mushrooms, and Kate was asking me why mushrooms are good for us, and I was like, I don't know. They have beta-glucan, and beta-glucan is really good for the immune system. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, so that's kind of so cool. So little immune support poppers. You definitely get an immune boost. You okay. definitely get an immune boost. In fact, they got these studies that show that mushrooms reduce our risk of hormonal-type cancers as well, like breast cancer. So that's okay. cool. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, second S is seaweed. Seaweed or sea veg. I'm a big fan of sea veg. That's something that I'm working on with Kate. That's okay. Okay. So I think it's Do cool I because that, that's not. I know, a but I just feel like I'm the one over here. Who like Kate doesn't like this. Kate doesn't like that. Kate's I mean, fantastic. Kate's amazing. Yeah. I I am all up in the f goals. But it's it's balanced, though, Kate, because I got you one on the on the seeds as opposed to the oil. Yeah. So we're, we're you know 
Give a little, take a little, right? That's fair. I just think that I'm, uh, I'm going to be fine. I'm working through this. Okay, thank okay. you. We're all working on something, right? <laughs> yes. Seaweed, love it. So seaweed, well, so seaweed, I feel like is this untapped resource because it, it provides a lot of unique nutrients that are actually quite difficult to find in the typical American diet. So like it has iodine, it has, you can get um, from, sea, from sea plants, you can get DHA and EPA, which is the healthy form of omega-3s. Mm-hmm. that many of us are looking for. Like when people eat fish, that's what they're looking for is DHA and EPA. Yep. And the fish are getting it. The fish are just storing it. The fish aren't actually creating they're it. They're consuming the seaweed. They're consuming it from the, the seaweed and then, seaweed and then they store it in their fat and then, then that's where we get it. Okay. So, um, uh, and you can get B, B12 in some cases as well from sea, from sea veg, seaweed. seaweed. Do you so. happen to have a favorite kind of seaweed by any chance? Well, like, so it's kind of funny. My, my son is three and we get, we'll get these little packets of nori Oh, like the dry sheets. The dry sheets. Yeah, those and are delicious. Like, and he's like munching. They're like potato chips. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then the last S, part of me for being a nerd, is sulforaphane. 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 Yes. S-U-L-F-O-R-A-P-H-A-N-E. Okay. okay. Sulfur. So sulforaphane is, the, the story is this. This is when I was like have been reading through the years, I came across sulforaphane and then I took a deep dive. This is the most powerful cancer crusher that I've ever come across. It's a phytochemical that you will find in cruciferous vegetables. So we hear that broccoli protects us from cancer, right? The reason that broccoli protects us from cancer is because it has sulforaphane. And what's fascinating, so you'll find it in in broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, arugula. Yay. Yeah, kale. Um, Did you say cauliflower? Yep. Cauliflower. Cauliflower. Yep. Yep. So, but what's quite interesting is that actually if you take the broccoli seed and you sprout it, which does not require soil, it requires a mason jar and some water. Mm -hmm. That's it. If you sprout the broccoli seed, you will have a hundred times more sulforaphane in that very immature form than you will find in the adult size broccoli. So you can either, you can literally will eat like, turn into like sprouts, like something you sprinkle on top of your salad yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. Can you buy them at the store? Yes, you can. So I've seen those. So like broccoli sprouts. Broccoli just sprouts. Like, okay. So that's what we should just be sprinkling that. We actually do like in our glitter. house every, like literally every single day. Huh. So when I say these are foundational foods and for my gut. And the little alfalfa sprouts, same thing, because it has the same amount of sulforaphane. Well, so thing. alfalfa sprouts, so, so the, the difference is that alfalfa obviously is coming from the alfalfa bean. Right. So it's a little bit different. Okay. It doesn't have the sulforaphane. Stick to the broccoli sprouts. Right. The broccoli sprouts are the one that have the sulforaphane. Okay. So, what about like radish sprouts? Radish. So like all sprouts, there's actually an interesting book by a guy named Doug Evans. It's called The Sprouting Book. It is what oh, you called it. Yeah, there you go. Like very straightforward. <laughs> What's this about? And it's all about sprouting. And, um, you know, all sprouts, it, it's, it's pretty easy to do. It's amazing how nutritious it is. Mm-hmm. Nutritious it is. And it's not that expensive. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff there. Okay, I have a question. Because um, historically, our understanding of what we should be eating feels like it's we've been on less than solid ground, right, over the last 50 years. Um, whether that has to do with lobbyists and politics wanting us to sell certain products versus just like the science being like fluctuating, you know, whether we should eat this or that. And it always feels like the joke is always like, all right, eat low fat. And then 20 years later, it's like, actually, these fats are good. And I feel like that uncertainty has gotten us to a place now where we've got people who slip in like the medical medium or certain people who spout ideas as if 
this one thing will lead, like X leads directly to Y, or like you can cure an incurable disease through just this alone. And it feels like because of the uncertainty, now we have people who come in and like tell us as if they know certainties. Right. Like, how is it being in a field where oftentimes, like I always kind of take anyone's food insight with a grain of salt because it's always fluctuating and there's a lot of crockpot, crack, crockpots, crockpots, crackpots <laughs> out there crock and crockpots as well. Yeah. So how, how is it being in that world when you come from a background of like Georgetown and Chapel Hill and all of these like very reputable places? Okay, so... I don't know. I don't know that we have time. <laughs> I don't know that we have time to fully unpack. Like we could literally do a podcast on this topic, wow. okay? okay? Yeah. Because there's so many layers of complexity to this. But here's what I would say: at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you need to identify high quality sources for your information. We are not in a place in 2020 where there is a lack of information and therefore you just go to your local doctor and you trust that your doctor is going to tell you what you need to do. Mm -hmm. That's where we were 50 years ago. Yeah. In 2020, we all have access to the internet. The problem is there's excessive information and trends. And there's a lot of trash. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of junk information like out there. Celery juice. Well, I feel like in the, in, in, in the same, yeah, in the same way that like, you know, someone can go on now and say, we definitely have a cure for COVID and they can say, yeah, we've tested on people. It's going to work. Like we're seeing this happening now. In the same way, we've got people who will go on and be like, yes, if you eat artichokes every day for a year, you will get rid of every disease that exists. Yes. And, and I think that COVID has really shown this, right? Like COVID has shown how kind of crazy things get where everything gets spun and politicized. Mm-hmm. Everything is getting spun and politicized. Like whether or not college football comes back by conference is being spun and politicized right now. And it's becoming political. Yeah. Right. And nutrition has become political. Like there, there's actually spaces within nutrition. So let me just say this, like completely independent of voting preferences. All right. If you look people who are vegan, it's pretty clear. They tend to move to, to, to lean left. Yes. Right. How about like people that are carnivore? They're literally alt right. Right. They're literally all right. Like it's the all We've right. We've seen people. signs that are like they're coming for our burgers and our guns. Yes, right. exactly. It's like, oh god, this is what yeah. I'm saying. This is <laughs> like, what I'm saying. Really? So everything is getting spun. But the but the reality is this is the challenge is that the truth does exist. Kate, we have never known more than we know right now. All the science that I teach in my book did not exist ten years ago. I have 600 references, and these are from the top medical journals on the planet. All like the vast majority of them published in the last five years that I'm bringing forward and I've compiled and I'm, and I'm, and at the end of the day, you need to find the person that you're willing to trust. When I go to the mechanic, I know nothing about cars. Mm -hmm. I have to trust that this person is going to give me good guidance, but I want someone who's actually reputable to give me that. The person who's trying to tell you what you want to hear, they're probably not the most trustworthy source, right? The person who's telling you you're going to be healthy by eating more bacon. That doesn't really make sense. Does it? The person who's telling you that the only path forward for you and the only way to be healthy is to buy their supplement. Right. They're running a gimmick, right? So when a person presents information to you, let's talk about lectins for a moment, all right? So lectins are the part of the beans and the whole grains that people are like freaked out about, right? There's an entire movement going anti-lectin, right? It's like a skin or a husk basically, right? It's a protein, it's a protein that's found in these, in these plants. And like literally, if you going back to, you can take too much of one thing and overdo it, right? If you concentrated these lectins, 
and you ate them, you would make yourself sick. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't kill yourself. You would throw up and then tomorrow you'd be back to normal again. It sure. wouldn't be the end of the world, right? So, but there's like literally books that get published all about how lectins are so bad for us and they're scaring people away from beans and whole grains. Yeah. Here's the problem. You guys literally, and your listeners at home, could literally go to PubMed right now, type in the word lectin, and what you're going to see is at least 50% of the articles that pop up are showing us the lectins protect us from cancer. Hmm. Now, has that ever been shared in this whole argument? Like, people are dying of cancer. They're not dying because they're eating too many beans. The average American eats six pounds of beans per year which is the amount of meat that they're eating like literally in a week. So, okay. So the the point being that we have to have ways to discriminate and identify healthy sources of information. So for me, in writing my book, it was important to me that it be the science first. I wanted to make it fun to read, but I wanted it to be about the science. I wanted it to be that I would have the support of legitimate medical doctors. Yeah. So on the back of my book, you guys know how it works in the publishing industry. They put the names that they think will sell the book. My publisher wanted that, right? But if you go to the front of the book, you're going to find these names of these people that are distinguished professors at major institutions in the United States that are willing to put their name on the line with my book. Backing your science. Backing my science. They believe that this is the real deal, right? This is not just some random Joe who happened to write a book. There's no peer review in the book publishing industry. When I published Mm. journal articles, which I used to, I would go through peer review. And Kate, if you were the scientist who is going to review my article, we could be best friends, but your job would be to try to destroy my article, Mm. right? Because that's what peer review is about, is trying to poke holes in the science for the sake of you. If you can make it through the gauntlet, then you are worthy of having your paper published. That doesn't exist. Publishing with books is about selling books. Oh, yeah. Right? So... Like for me, in putting the science in here, 600 references, and getting the support of these scientists, that was never an obligation. There was no one, never anyone who made me do that. I did that because I think that's the right way to do it. So, and that's, that, that's the way that I feel about all that. Sorry that I went on a diatribe there. No, no. I, I think it's tough because I, uh, there's the inclination as human beings that, that we always want the magic bullet. And I mean, Catherine, you still kind of, you'll be like, oh my God, I heard, like so, so-and-so recommended this supplement or this pill. And it's always like, maybe this will be the thing that just gives that little extra, you know, boost to your health. And I think it's part of why the celery juice craze happened to some degree. Right. It's like, oh, that's all I have to do? And I'll drink 12 ounces of celery and then I can eat, then I'll just be a superhuman? Right. Yeah. Um, So, I I mean, I I understand that's like the human being wants the magic bullet. Right. And if you're in the food world, you have to just say like, okay, celery juice, that's my magic bullet. And then you're famous. Right. But it, I have but a it, problem with the medical medium as well. So yeah. I'm a, I, I go hard on the celery juice craze. <laughs> well, there's no, there's, no, there's no science there, right? There's no right. science to back it up. And science ultimately has to be our compass to help us to find the truth. Because if we're not using the science, then what are we using? We're just making it up, right? Right. So you either believe that he literally has a spirit that he's talking to that does know the future and does in fact understand the human body, or you don't. Right. He's not using science. Right. So, and, and you know, the, the thing with all this is that at the end of the day, I specifically wrote my book not to say that you need to be vegan, right? I'm vegan. It works for me. Mm-hmm. But I wrote my book to say there is a path to health 
with plants. And this is our biology. It doesn't change whether it's me, you, we're all, we're, we're all unique individuals. We have our bio individuality. Perhaps the diet that works for me would not work for you guys. Right. So there needs to be some wiggle room to modify. But at the end of the day, I think that the path to health is in a predominantly plant-based diet. However you choose to organize that. Yeah, absolutely. agree with that. Um, Oh, before we, we ask the very important question, um, we love Maldon, the salt, Uh the flaky crystals, finishing salt. I know there's the part in your book about sodium and that like Americans eat like three pounds of it when really it should be ounces. But like, what if it's really like well-sourced salt, (laughs) you know, from like a, a beautiful crystal in Italy? Or what if you're just... Well, how often are you doing uh, this? Are you doing this three side. times a day? I mean, what do you... What, the Maldon? Yeah. More than three times a day. More? No, no, no. I'm just saying we love Maldon. Like, yeah. we it will sprinkle Maldon on everything. everything. Yeah. Um, so is there any wiggle room on the, the salt? Like, if it's really high-quality salt... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you really want me to tell you what you want to hear? No, or do you I want to know. Be I want to know. Like, okay. I don't want to be like I 50 think, and be hypertension, you know? Well, and if that were to happen, then we would obviously want to make some changes, right? So, yeah. but the, I, I think that there is, um, I think it's a little, let, let me just be honest, like zooming out from the Maldon for a moment mm-hmm. and just speaking more broadly about nutrition. It's a, it's a little bit of a fallacy from my perspective to think that higher quality is a total game changer. Right. So what I'm referring to less than Muldone is I'm referring to people who say, I only eat, you know, grass fed meat. Right. right. right? Step four. So this grass fed meat is like so radically healthier than my bacon's no. organic. Yeah. It, there, there are minor differences. Yeah. There are some advantages. There's no question about that. It is nutritionally superior, but that doesn't mean that it's making you live longer with less disease. Yeah. Right. And that's the reality. So now when it comes to Muldone, look, you like Muldone. I like an IPA. <laughs> right in my yeah. book, I literally say the healthiest approach when it comes to alcohol is no alcohol. That's what I wrote. But I have an IPA. Right, you have to live, so yeah. it's okay. And that's why I think that it's okay to create this path where it's a healthy diet, where it is healthy habits that you're forming, so that it all starts to feel very natural. Like this, you're just living. It's a Tuesday. You're going to the Home Depot, Bed Bath and Beyond, and yet you're healing yourself and doing it. Right. Yeah. That's what you want. And then that allows you, when, you're, when your lifestyle and your diet are in alignment, that gives you the wiggle room that you need so that you can have some Maldon once in a while. <laughs> I love once that my vice while. is Maldon. <laughs> I have other vices. But once in a while, Mind it you. means every 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> it means a pound a week. Um, a pound a week. A pound, no, I mean, no, we, obviously, no, that's not true. Really. Stop it. My blood Stop. pressure just went up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not that serious. Um, well, okay, so we do eat cookies. Yes. The, the, the question that happens at the end of every episode of Free Cookies, naturally, is what is your favorite cookie? I'm going to give a shout out. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to my father-in-law. Okay. Yeah. So. Smart. Yeah. Larry. Uh, Larry. He's a <laughs> devoted listener. <laughs> Larry the cable guy. Yeah. Uh, Larry, Larry's a good guy. He lives on Sullivan's Island. He's an attorney here in town. And um, great guy. And he has started making these cookies. And I don't know how he does it. Because he claims, he might be lying, he claims there's no added sugar, no artificial sweeteners. And Maybe he puts he's in using monk fruit or something like wait, that. Wait, what do you think about monk fruit, by the way? I'm okay with monk fruit. Okay. I'm okay with monk fruit. We're a little right. bit of stevia. Yeah. So, you know, again, in moderation. Yeah. But um, anyway, he's putting in, like, they come out, they're so weird looking. They're like super weirdly blue, like deeply mm. blue. 
and he puts parsley in there and you can kind of see the parsley flakes, which is weird, but actually it's quite delicious. He has like flax and chia seeds. So is it like a granola bar cookie? It, it's like a, it's like a weird blueberry cookie slash muffin. It's like comes out in the shape of a cookie, but it's also, it's almost sort of a muffin. Like a muffin top? And kind of a muffin top. <laughs> and uh, my father-in-law, my kids love it. My kids love it. We're going to need the recipe. We're going to need the recipe. You know what? I'm going to have to get, I'll have to get up with him and maybe we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yes. Larry's cookies. Yeah, Larry's right? cookies. Larry's muffin. Muffin top. Blue muffin cookies. <laughs> right. Parsley right. blueberry we'll muffin cookies. We'll give a prize to whoever can name, who can qualify and name these cookies. The That's best. true. Because there's probably a better name than we're coming up with. Muffin top cookie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want a muffin top. <laughs> They're delicious though. Well, thank you, Will. Thanks for your time. I know. Thank you for having me. And, and by the way, where is there a certain bookstore or place that you would like people to order your book from? Do well, you have a favorite? So I know that you guys have reached way beyond the you know uh, walls of our city here in Charleston. But like, if you live in Charleston, so let me say this: we are living in a pandemic. The people who have bookstores, we want to support yes. because uh, we want to be able to have a Saturday where we have a cup of coffee and it's raining, and we hang out in a bookstore and read a book someday. And so we need to support them when we choose to buy our books. So like if you're in Charleston, you should go to Blue Bicycle. Um, and wherever you live, I would you know, certainly encourage you to opt for your local bookstore and support that small business that's in your community. If the dollar is leaving your wallet, let the dollar go to someone who needs it. Totally. Yeah. And bookshop.com yeah, is great. Or actually, I believe it's bookshop.org. .org. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to support all independent bookshops. And that's sellers. true. Yeah. Thanks, Will. Thanks, guys. Thank you. F goals, broccoli sprouts, bionome genome diversity. Chop then stop. <gasps> the chop then stop. Oh my God, the chop then stop. Low you did and that. slow is the tempo. What's that? Low and slow. That's Beastie Ooh. Boys. Oh, oh, that's right. He said that too. Okay, but anyway, we could go on, but we won't because we could. if you want a chance to get a copy of Dr. B's book, Fiber Fueled, as well as my book, Aim True, and Kate's book, What Made Maddie Run, and a gift certificate to Blue Bicycle Books, which is in Charleston, South Carolina, and we're, we're tacking on a couple other little things, you can check out our Instagram feed, how to enter for the giveaway, and this is all orchestrated by 10 West Edge, who thank you again for allowing us to record in your beautiful space and you can check them out as well. We will be putting that up across the social media across platforms. Across the social medias. And speaking of all of the social medias, like, I don't know, do you consider Patreon a social media to some degree, right? Don't forget, you can support the show at patreon.com slash free cookies. You can follow us on IG, Kate Fagan 3, Catherine B. Duke, but also the book club, The Inky Phoenix. Thank you. Yes, and it's not, there's no, um, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to buy anything. It's just an online book club. All you have to do is boop, follow it, and you get... Lots of inspiration. And if you do want to talk to people and be part of the community, you can join the feeds on the posts. And we are produced by Lindsay Collins oh. of F&B Radio. Thank you. Kate is full of so much fiber that she's you know, having a, a, a couple pregnant fibery Wait, but bubbles. Don't, but don't you think those pauses seem longer in person than they probably seem to the listener? Like, I think I would have got my thought before the listener noticed I'd paused. What do you think? 
Maybe. We'll never know. Maybe. But we'll most never importantly, know. Um, for those of you who take the time to rate and review our show, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, thank you so much. And a little shout out, like we always do at the end of every ooh, show, ooh, ooh. to TYXP fan. XP fan. TYXP fan. Spell that. EXP. XP. TY space FAN. Okay. TY space EXP space fan. Anyone else rate and review the show? Well, okay. And E Kiefer5678, there's a chance we already gave you a shout out. My brain has not been working so well. So, you know what's okay? Getting more than one shout out. So, in case I didn't check you out already, thank you also to E Kiefer5678, both of y'all for the five star reviews and the beautiful commentary that came along with it. And because all of the goodness happens often in the last 90 seconds, uh, just a quick little question for our free cookies listeners is bleeding love by Leona Lewis. One of the greatest songs of the last 15 years or, um, an embarrassment. Please let us know because this is important to me. It is. Don't look at me like that. I want to know what people think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll Mm -hmm. see what people say. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you embarrassed for me? Mm -hmm. A little bit. But remember at the end of the of the previous show, I did the shout out about the trade for the Life Raft cookies for the California goodies. Mm-hmm. That worked out well for us. It did. Okay. But what were you trying to get out of this one? Um, proof that about Bleeding Love by Leona Lewis. That you're not the only one who thinks no, it's amazing. No, no, no. Don't tell them they... Uh, they weren't supposed to know how I felt about it because I'm... They could think that I didn't... I don't like Bleeding Love. Because you would totally bring up a song that you don't like at the end of the well, show. Well, I could. Like, I think chocolate chip cookies are trash and I say that. So you think that like maybe Ashi is playing this on her own? She's like figured out how to work Alexa, and you're just really annoyed that her dog listens to that song all the time. Nobody knows. Do other people. All right, feel we're gonna way? sign off. This is more of a personal interaction now. Okay, bye. God, thank God we talk about poop, and our marriage is gonna last. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>